What is up, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite podcast that has never been published up to this point. Yeah. DTR Comics Podcast, or today, DTJ Podcast. Um, Jay, do you want to talk? Yeah, um, I'm Jacob, making a guest appearance. I'm not really one of the regulars here, uh, but today I'm filling in because... Rachel's gone, so... She's got the plague, man. Rachel decided to to get sick and die. Yeah, we've been trying to record this all week, and she's just been getting progressively sicker, and our optimi- all three of our optimisms finally hit their lowest point, and we're like, we're call- phoning a friend, calling our other comics buddy. And um, luckily, I just finished the book, so... The stars kind of like, aligned. Just finished like, the book. <laughs> literally minutes ago. Um, I, I was yeah, worked out just great for me to fill in. Yeah, I was playing Red Dead Redemption, and I look over at Jacob. We're roommates, and like, do you want to be on the podcast? And he says, "Sure," as he plows through the rest of Mouse. Like, you want to go through a bunch of sh- <laughs> trauma in like thirty minutes instead of the hour it should take? And he's like, "Yeah." Yeah, I'm willing to make that sacrifice. <laughs> speed read the most horrific event in history. For real. Faster. <laughs> Faster. <laughs> anyway. We can't laugh on this podcast. This is a very serious one. Um, yeah, so this week, uh, things took a little more somber turn because we let T pick the book and he's a child of darkness. Do you want to talk about your yes, pixie? We're, we're going to read Mouse at, by at, Art Spiegelman. And I think he just one man shopped this whole thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he, he did. did. The art, the letters, and the story. I mean, it's it's nonfiction. <clears throat> it's biographical about yeah. his father. Yeah. But also about himself, which is I I thought it was a really cool dynamic that it had set up there. For, yeah, a lot of the ways that like they kind of would cut between his life and his interviewing of his father, and then the portrayal of the events of his father's life were. I thought a really cool artistic choice. Yeah. For real. It was really cool. Um, T, do you want to talk about why you picked this book for your pick of the week? You know, that's a good question. I'd always heard of it. Like, before I got into comics, I had, like, seen Mouse, and it was interesting to me. I did live in Germany for a couple years, so it was really also something that I wanted to hear because I, I would meet people in Germany who were children at the time of World War Two, and didn't have like much recollection of it, but it was definitely still on their minds about the things that would happen. So yeah, so like at the beginning of this is kind of hopping right into it, but at the beginning of Volume Two, there's the portion where Artie shows himself being interviewed by various people about his book. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people says there are many people born now that had nothing to do with the Holocaust, and this was in the eighties. Should they feel guilty about this as well? Um, did you feel like that was an attitude that pervaded in Germany while you lived there? Or? It's kind of hard to say because, like most people, they were very aware of the Holocaust. And they would think about that like, we did this in the past and we need to make sure we don't do anything like it. And so it's kind of like the pendulum has swung the other way. But there are some groups that are kind of almost upset at how deferential they are and how a lot of times they let that make a lot of their decisions and they are especially upset at Angela Merkel and they're like, we shouldn't let people into our country and we don't really like refugees. And then you have other people who are like, I do not like it when Germans start talking bad about particular races. It, it freaks me out. 
Yeah. So it, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. I know. Um, so we spent the summer going through Germany and something interesting that T pointed out to me while going through are these tokens on the ground, right? Like they're like these bronze medallions or whatever in places where property was seized from Jewish families, correct? Well, it's where they lived. So you'll be like walking down a cobblestone street and instead of one of the cobblestones, it'll have a little bronze plaque that says the name of the Jew that lived in this place and what happened to them and whether or not they died. So usually it says they were sent to different concentration camps and where they died. And it's it's kind of stark because, I mean, you see them all over the place. Well, I remember something that stuck out to me is it had like born and then it didn't say died, it said murdered on yeah. this day. And I thought that was some like stir, like jarring honesty, honestly. Be like living in America, we have atrocities galore that we've done to people and and some of them arguably are still continuing and there's there's not that kind of accountability you know like i honestly hats off to the german people for course correcting like and owning up to the evil thing that happened and it's yeah i I feel like that really it really does speak to the mentality of the german people now that 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 was a choice that they made not only to put those there but to use that that verbiage Mm mm-hmm that it wasn't just that they died in the Holocaust, but that they were murdered by the Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think just that jarring verbiage and how bluntly honest that is, it frames really well what Mouse is and why Mouse is so significant. Where I feel like the Holocaust is something that has had a lot of media attention, rightfully so. It's something that we're all aware of. It's something we've seen portrayed in a lot of different ways. But Mouse is definitely the most jarring version I've ever viewed, at least. Where with these mice and cats, they're able to tell a more honest and brutal story than I think we would be comfortable viewing with human beings. Yeah. And, I mean, this is one thing overall about this, is I feel like this is the most honest portrayal of it, you know? Yeah. Because you have you see a lot of portrayals of it, and they're like, look at how awful this is. But this doesn't even, like, try to tell you how awful it is it just shows you yeah. like through the eyes of this person and even as as the author is getting his father's story his father isn't even like particularly bitter about a yeah. lot of things right he doesn't seem upset or hurt or like vengeful about it it's just he's so it's like matter of fact yeah so matter of fact and like almost cold about the whole thing like it no longer even phases him yeah and so i feel like that's a way that you can almost kind of see it in this oddly objective way but so that you recognize for yourself this was horrific yeah and somebody telling me this was horrific couldn't have achieved it just as well as it very plainly just being like this is actually what happened and you're like oh oh and that's actually something that at least when i was reading this more than once vladek the the father of the author he uh he mentions that he's not relaying rumors of things that happened, but only that which he can really confirm for himself and that he was witness to. Yeah. So, like, this isn't really even an, a complete account of, like, what happened. This is just what he for sure knew did happen, yeah. either to him or those around him. Yeah. Um, I don't know, a... A detail that was interesting to me was when the son went and looked up and found that there was an orchestra at Auschwitz. Yeah. And Vladek was like, nope. 
And he's like, but I... Nope. There was no orchestra at Auschwitz. And I I don't know what to make of that, really, but it was... It stood out to me, honestly, as, like, uh, Vladek's memory of Auschwitz had no room for an orchestra. And, like, whether or not that was something that existed, it showed that that didn't exist in Vladek's world. Right. Mm-hmm. The horrors that he was experiencing didn't allow for the beauty of orchestra music to also coexist with that. Yeah. Doesn't it also say somewhere that Mouse, a survivor's tale? Isn't that what they what I, they call it? Yeah, I, I feel like I read that somewhere, I but so. I can't find it. And I feel like that really does demonstrate that, that it's kind of like, Vladek wasn't trying to just, let me tell you about the Holocaust, because I know it. It's really like his story. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't trying to be anything else. And so... You do miss a lot of things, but then there are moments where he's like, oh, I actually knew how the crematoriums work because I got put on the tin job. And so they had when to When they gut... were dismantling. Yeah, it. when they had to gut the crematorium, I went and walked through the whole thing. And so I know a lot about that and let me draw that out. But then like things that happen to other places, he just doesn't bring up. Yeah. Um, Jacob, you're the one that has read this most recently. Do you want to talk a little bit? Like just bullet points of like the plot of what okay. goes on in mouse uh yeah the general synopsis um it kind of follows the life of vladek the father of the author um from before the war he was he was a polish jew living in i want to say sosnoviec i'm that sounds right it sounds about right uh they're polish names for cities i'm not so good with that um but it started with him uh, marrying and how he met his wife. Uh, her name was Anya. Uh, they had a son before the war started. Uh, and then it kind of jumps into when the Germans invaded Poland. Um, it details about how they and a lot of their neighbors who were also Jews, a lot of their neighbors and friends and family, um, kind of got persecuted even before they were moved on to other areas about their later um, kind of forced move from their home to a nearby village that was um, designated for only Jews to live in, kind of the beginning of the ghettos. Uh, And I actually just realized I skipped a part where uh, it starts at the beginning of the war with Vladek uh, joining the military and his time as a military prisoner. Um, And one of the things that I remember, at least for me, was really jarring about that was that he specifically mentions that he and the other uh, Jewish war prisoners were released uh, almost specifically because there are international laws that govern the treatment of war prisoners, but at the time there were no official laws for them uh, if they were to just execute Jews as they had been doing for a while. Yeah. Um, so they like they released them so that they could get away with killing them. Which is crazy to me. Yeah, it's like, you're a Polish war prisoner. Oh, we're going to let you go home. We'll send you to this camp near where you live. And then they send them there, and it's very clear that they are planning on murdering them. And some of the Jewish community nearby intervenes to get them out of there. But just, we'll we'll let you go so we can actually kill you. But just like the maneuvering that occurs, it shows how evil and how intentional this act was you know it's like oh we can't kill you as a pow well now you're just a jew we're gonna kill you anyway you know like right i'm just repeating what you guys have already said but it was jarring to me as well 
Like, it, it really speaks to kind of the precision and organization of the Holocaust that, I mean, not only is it a horrible thing, but, like, it was carried out with such just cold precision that, like, this is the most efficient way that they could get rid of these people that they didn't consider to be, in fact, people. Yeah, um, I guess that goes right into the premise of the book, though, that the Jews are, for anyone that hasn't read the book, the Jews are per- portrayed as mice or rats, and the Germans are portrayed as cats. And it begins with a quote from Adolf Hitler that reads, The Jews are undoubtedly a race, but they are not human. And the artist, um, Spiel Spiegelman? Yeah, Art Spiegelman. Art Spiegelman chooses to open his book and then portray this world through animals and the animal that Jews were often associated with during this time. Um, this is a hard book to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a book that we read, and I'm really glad I read it. But also, like, T mentioned... When I was done with this, T looked over me. He's like, "You look shell shocked." Because I just like stared at the wall for a while. Because it's so hard to believe that this happened, right? It's, and not even that long ago. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and <coughs> I remember part of this. Like, I was reading it. I was like laying in my bed, and you guys probably remember this part. But he describes how there was a around like when they were living in Poland the Germans would come every once in a while and gather up a whole bunch of people and just ship them off. And more and more they did this until they were, there were just going to be no more Jews. And so all the Jews were trying to stay from being taken as long as possible. And so it chronicles that a little bit. But part of it is it says some of the first groups they took were the really old people and the really young people. And so they had all these like children who were Jews and it talked about how a lot of these children, two or three years old, would just keep screaming and screaming because they were being taken away from their families and their homes. And so a lot of times the Nazis would pick them up by their ankles and just smash them against a wall. That was the first, like, uh, yeah, thing for me in the book. It was just... And, I mean, it, it has kind of like a drawing of this. You You don't see the impact, but it's very clear what's going on. And... I just remember just, like, putting my hand over my mouth and being like, this is the most horrifying thing. Yeah. Well, and part of what was so horrifying for me about that was, again, just going back to the tone of Vladek as he uh, reports this. And, I mean, in the book it is established that he was speaking to his son, the author, uh, and it was being recorded in kind of like a tape recorder. But the words that he uses when he describes that is just that the children couldn't stop screaming, and so the Nazis beat them against the wall by their ankles and then they stopped screaming that like he just says it so like and and there there it was then they stopped screaming that was the whole purpose like like it was almost reasonable yeah it's i don't know it's just such a cold and evil thing as someone that i've read so much fiction in my life i've read every big bad evil guy you can imagine and nothing was this evil nothing was this jarring even today i read a new graphic novel just came out, Simon Says, that's set immediately post-World War II. It's a phenomenal book. It suffered for me, however, by comparison to Mouse, because I just read it, where 
the Nazis in that book are almost like Bond-esque villains or like Inglorious Bastards. Like the Nazis are these like charismatic, like <laughs> evil bad guys. That is not nearly as evil and threatening as the Nazis in Mouse. Someone picking up a little kid and smashing them against the wall is infinitely worse than an antagonist chasing a protagonist around with a gun, you know? Yeah, and it's just like that moment where it's they are so far away from valuing human life that they really don't care and that empathy is just entirely gone. It's scary. It's scary in a lot of things that you've heard about or read. Well, and that's one of the things that I find so crazy about like the Holocaust and particularly the way it's portrayed in this because it really does drive home how much the Nazis didn't associate the Jews as humans because like that's what they had been taught like many of them they had been taught that like since birth practically that's what all the scientists that they had were telling them with their studies and experiments and stuff that led to that belief and like they had been trained and taught to believe without a shred of doubt that Jews are not human and are a detriment to our society and so but like when you believe that with all of your being it almost makes sense in kind of a horrifying way like yeah well that's a question what level of responsibility do you feel like those people had or were they kind of just a product of their circumstances because there is one story in this book where Vladek talks about when he's in the concentration camp or there's a guard that was kind of nice to them and he kind of became friends with him but then that guard got sent to work with all of the Jews who were being killed and just, like, saw some of the horrors of it. Then he comes back, and Vladek tries to talk to him, and he just curses at Vladek and, Vladek and says, never speak to me again. So it was like he changed by the horror of this. And so I'm curious what you guys think about that. Well, actually, I read a book. I don't remember its title right now. It was for school, and so it was one that I begrudgingly read, but... It was about this process of, like, the creation of the Nazi mindset, where you had leadership that, like, instructed a nation to do something horrendous, and in the doing of that horrendous thing, this people became, like, numb to it, and it just became, like, a job. Um, and this is how... This was like an autobiographical book I read. This is how these people described it themselves. I don't know that I feel comfortable imposing feelings on someone or where they were at. But I know that this piece of literature I read, like, put forward that it became, like, a job. Like, it became a cold thing to do. It was just what you did. And as scary as that is, it seems pretty human to just be like, oh, this is really bad. It's my job, though. Okay. All right. This is what we're doing now. Right. And then you just get numb. Like you said, you, de- you dehumanize an entire group and then you're able to do something horrendous. Right. And with the example of the guard that T mentioned, um, like he was kind of developing like a budding friendship with Vladek. Yeah. But then, you know, after being sent to the, uh, like the gas chambers over there where, and working with that process, like at least the, the logic that I imagine is that you can't you can't be doing things like that to people like this almost friend that you have 
and have both of those feelings still coexist. Like, one of them had to go, and because he couldn't just desert the army, I mean, he could have, but they would have killed him, but because that was the one that he had to continue doing, his friendship with Vladek had to go along with, seemingly, most of his emotions. Like, he, he comes back a far more hardened, colder character. And I feel like that kind of has to happen, which I think speaks to kind of the mounting atrocities that happened throughout the Holocaust, because in the beginning, it wasn't kind of the mass extermination that it became towards the end. Yeah. But I think, like, as their horrible actions desensitized them, they were more and more willing to just kind of go the full yard, you know, go, go the full mile, do all of it and kill them burn them just horrible horrible things yeah um i don't know i the honesty of this book is something that really hit me as well in not only its portrayal of the holocaust but in its portrayal of Artie and vladek and their relationship um it this book doesn't hold punches anywhere like no. there are times when Artie comes across as an asshole there are times that vladek comes across as neurotic or racist racist yeah do you want to talk about that 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 is a really wild moment where as it's telling the story so there's kind of two plot lines going on at all times the author's relationship with his father recording the story coming to visit him hearing everything and then his father's telling of the story later on in the book the author Artie has to go and visit his father, Vladek. And Vladek, he, he's really sick, and they take him to the store, and on the way back, they find someone hitchhiking. And in it, he's, he's, a, he's a dog, which is the, what all Americans are. That, that sounds weird, just out of context. Basically, all the different races are portrayed by different animals, and so the Americans are dogs, the French are frogs... But so him and so the author and his wife pull over to let this black man into their car and Vladek, the father, the survivor, who's been through these horrendous racial atrocities, gets very upset that they are letting this man into their car. He also tells her to just floor the gas and speed past him when he sees that the guy is trying to hitchhike in the beginning. Yeah, and then he gets upset because he thinks the groceries are going to get stolen. And there's all these racial stereotypes. Right. And grumbled about it in Polish the whole time that the man was in the car. And it's just like, you went through this. You saw what this becomes. <laughs> like, your experience is the end of exactly what you're doing. And, like, man, it was just such a jar... I keep using that word, but this whole book is just jarring. Like, it was this moment yeah. you were like, whoa... It's easy to hate the Holocaust and still be a racist. You, like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Even this man that literally lived through it. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously he didn't carry it out to nearly the same extent, but, like, yeah. similar feelings of hatred for your fellow man simply because of a small difference between you. Except, you know, it's interesting because I feel like Vladek, he doesn't display a lot of hatred for the Jews. If anything, he's got this, like, almost oddly... I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make sure my family gets through this. And that's it. He doesn't 
he doesn't blame everybody for doing what they're right. doing. Like the one time that you get a moment like that is when they're traveling with the Allies through Germany and they see a bunch of Germans whose houses have been bombed and they're homeless and starving. And he's like, and you know, I guess it felt kind of good to see them with some pain too. But that's like the only time right. that he's like angry or upset about this. Yeah, because like never in his story does he come across as bitter about what he's going through. He's just kind of focused on like, okay, what do I need to do to make it through this? And I feel like that very much, like it, it had to be connected to why he acted and was the way that he was in the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really was that he was just at all costs a survivor. He didn't care why the war was going on or what was happening. He cared a little bit about where the front was so they could find out whether or not they were getting out of it. But he would just do whatever it took to survive no matter what. And it's an admirable trait, but it's it's interesting for us because we're like, wouldn't he like put this in context a little bit more and how awful this is? But he didn't. I guess, was there like an emotional gut punch moment in this book that stands out to each of you? I mean, I, there are a lot, but like, is there one that comes to mind that made you real, made you feel emotions from this book? I think for me... So, Mouse came out in, in two parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first part was released and out for a little while, and it got a lot of acclaim before the second part ever came out. And the opening of the second part is really interesting because it's back to the, Arthur, to the author working on it and trying to figure out what to do with this story. And I don't know why that... That was kind of a really, a very real moment for me where he's kind of like, I'm trying to tell this horrendous story and people like keep on trying to attach meaning to it, but I, I don't, and I don't know what to do. And even kind of like the portrayal of how real it is was hard for him. Right. One of the things that I found, uh, very kind of impactful in that particular scene, um, was because it it displays the author there um kind of in the middle and there are different people kind of trying to pitch ideas to him to try and monetize on his idea uh and and on the book that he's been making um and it shows like because this was right after um at least like shortly after the death of his father uh because he explained in some part there that like before he finished the book, but after he got all the information from his father that he needed in order to make it, his father passed away from, I believe it was heart failure. Uh, but it shows, like, as these people are kind of bludgeoning him with questions and trying to get more more of his opinions about the story, trying to get him to draw forth meaning from things, he visibly in the panels, like, he shrinks and grows, like, smaller and smaller to become more like a child in there as he, like, kind of withdraws from what's going on. Mm -hmm. And from what he talks about, and at least how I saw it, it, like, kind of comes from his regret for how he treated his father. Because a lot of the time, he didn't treat his father the greatest. Because, I mean, he was kind of old, and old people get to be a little hard to deal with sometimes. They get old. (laughs) Right. they, They get old and act old, you know? But, like, 
I feel like part of it was because Vladek was so kind of changed by what happened and a lot of the traits that he exhibits as an old man I feel are very rooted in the behaviors that kept him alive through the Holocaust. Oh, for sure. Like hoarding food and anything that could even potentially one day prove useful and kind of being stingy and trying to solve everything himself and be very kind of self-sufficient and self-dependent. Which, in an old man who can't really do any of these things and refuses to spend money to get anything fixed it can be rather frustrating. But the way that Arthur, or Artie, uh, kind of goes after him for it throughout the book, I think probably came back to haunt him, and I think that's part of why he was so um, kind of withdrawn in that part. Because, like, yes, he was grieving for his father, but also, I think, lamenting some of his interactions with his father. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, because you... It, you can see why it's upsetting, but you can't blame Vladek for what he's doing because it's yeah. kind of like, he is a bit of a hoarder, but the fact of the matter is that saved his life so many times that he had, like, a thing of cloth when he was jammed into that train station. So, basically, they stick 200 Jews in a train car, just shoulder to shoulder, body to body. Packed in like sardines, as he refers to it. Yeah, just so many people... And they don't let them out for days and days. And so many people die. And Vladek, so he doesn't get crushed, he has this piece of cloth on him that he pulls out and he strings kind of from the roof of the car and he makes himself like... Because they were like meat hooks. Yeah, he makes himself like a mini hammock in the train car and is able to sit up out of this crush of people and he's like one of 25 people of the 200 that survive. Mm -hmm. And he was in better shape than the rest of them because... He had access to water because he could reach the window and, like, the roof of the car where there were, there was snow and ice. None of the other people had that unless they found some way to trade for him. So, like, he came out of that a lot better than the other 25 people. That was because of that resourcefulness. Um, I honestly feel like the one bit of a shift in tone that, like, made me smile in the midst of all this horror was the scene with the matches. Yeah. With... Artie and Vladek <laughs> and um that's just something really quick the voice of Vladek in this like his colloquial English his grammar it's so real and it's so authentic and it's so Polish that mm. it genuinely inspired me to speak like an Eastern European during a game of Smash Bros the night after I finished this book and that's something that I noticed again I hate to I really I don't I'm not trying to disparage Simon says, by anyway, but it's a World War II thing I just read after Mouse. That's something that I was missing while I was reading Simon Says. So I was like, no, like, talk like you're from the place. Right. Like, that the was, added realism that that brings. Yeah, it was so stirring. It, I honestly, I heard Vladek's voice in my head. I felt like he was telling me this story. Um, but just how upset he gets over the fact that his son utilized a second wooden match when he could use a paper match... Or he could have just found some other way around not using a second of 50 matches. Um, it was funny, honestly. And the really funny part about that <clears throat> is Mala, Vladek's second wife, is like, he leaves a burner on the stove on all day to light the matches or light things because the, re- 
the utilities are part of the rent, so he won't have to pay for the gas. And so it's kind of like he is being wasteful. He just leaves a burner on the whole day. But but it's not wasting anything of his. Yeah. He won't have to light a match to light the burner. He's just got it ready. Yeah. It's it's gnarly. But yeah. I don't it's part of the charm is how or how human everybody is. Right. Um, was there an emotional bit for you, Jacob? Um I mean the interview scene is definitely pretty up there. Um but I think for me, maybe one of the most uh, kind of emotionally impactful parts was like at near the very end um, when Vladek, like he'd kind of been liberated, the war was over, he was uh, trying to find a way to reunite himself with his wife. Uh, and he came across like a, a picture booth. I don't remember the exact yes. context. Yes. But uh, it was some sort of photo like shop where where they had the opportunity for people who I, I assume it was probably geared more towards the soldiers for them to take photos of themselves to kind of commemorate their their time in Europe for the war and kind of have souvenirs. Um, but what's really kind of crazy about this scene is as they're going through all these photos from like Vladek's family and his wife's family they come across a photo that Vladek took of himself to send to his wife Anya to kind of have proof that he's still alive uh, which as it describes it here it was in a uniform a clean one like the ones that they had in the concentration camps with you know the stripes and the buttons and the little hat that they wore in in the scenes, and they include the photo in the uh, the page that you see, but it's just really strange. Like it's it's such a foreign concept that he would want to have a commemorative photo of himself in the concentration camp uniform that represented about a year. I think he said that he spent in Auschwitz and. Uh, that he would want a photo to commemorate that horrible time of his life. It just, it was so kind of shocking to me. Yeah. Because most of us, you know, when we go through difficult times, we kind of try to just bury it inside and ignore it, you know, move on, power through. But he kind of, like, claimed that for his own with, like, the picture there. Like, he kind of retook that time of his life and I think that shows a lot of, like, kind of who he is as a person. Yeah, that honestly was one of the moments that really struck me as well, that he wa- that he would want to reclaim that situation, that he would want to have a picture that made him the owner of that memory and of that event rather than a victim of it. Yeah. I, I think it showed a lot of strength of character, but also, like, a very interesting just human trait. Yeah. Like, the the way that he could cope with the fact that that had all happened was, like, by having a picture of it, you know? That's, that's crazy. Um, the bit that struck me the most, honestly, it comes out of personal experience. I, I had the opportunity to go and spend my summers in Israel participating in an archaeological dig with a number of people native to Israel. I'm excavating a synagogue 
and so I'm pretty seeped in Judaism. Um, I myself, <clears throat> I'm not a Jew, but I have a lot of love for the Jewish people. I spend a lot of time with them. I am studying the Hebrew Bible in college. And for this last season, while excavating, my boot fell apart. Like the sole of my boot fell off like day two of the dig. And I mean, I'm a broke college kid. I was like, well, that's, I guess I have no soul to my boot. Um, but this man, his name's Mickey. He lives up in Northern Israel. He's the handiest guy I've ever met. And he's like a good friend of mine at this point. He offered to help me fix my boots. Um, and so the portion in Mouse where Vladek goes to be a, like a shoemaker, a cobbler, was really touching because the way that he showed how they mended boots was the exact way that Mickey mended my boots. And so it was like this weird meta moment where I was like, we keep talking about how the Jews were dehumanized in this event, like, but it was such a humanizing moment for me mm -hmm. where I was like, that's just like my friend. That is exactly like my friend that saw me in need and helped me fix my boots in this really clever way. Like, what... I don't know, it made me think, like, what would I do if, like, Mickey was in Auschwitz? You know, like, just saying that sentence makes me feel ill. Like, I don't even want to utter that. And I don't know, it made me sit there for a second, honestly, and just... I couldn't think anything. I couldn't move. I just had to sit there and dwell with that. The this really happened and I feel like more than any other media I've taken in more than any history lesson this book made the holocaust real and yeah it's it's pretty crazy that with that humanization comes a lot of emotions I guess the only other time that I felt similar to that was at like the Holocaust Museum in Israel because they have one in New York um, but they also have one in Israel and there's a really special place in the in that museum where there are a bunch of lights all around and there are mirrors everywhere and so with the ref between the lights and the reflections I think it's something like three million lights are visible in that room and it's one light for every child that died in the Holocaust and it just says, like, the name of the museum is a name and a place because that was the promise given to Abraham and his children that they would always have a name and a place. And so something that the Jews have done is create this memorial, this museum, where all the children that died in the Holocaust get a little star, like, that was promised to Abraham, that his children would be as the stars. And... That's the only thing I can think of, honestly, that had, like, the emotional impact that this book has. Where it's just, it's real there for a minute. And you realize, like, the sheer magnitude of what happened. The evil of what happened. Um, and there's, there's almost nothing you can do with that emotion, honestly. You just have to sit there and vow to not be the kind of person that would perpetuate anything like that. Yeah, and that, that was actually going to be my next question how much did this book kind of like make you think about yourself and think about what it means to be human and kind of see this thing that's almost kind of like our inheritance as a race did, did it make you think about yourself yeah 
Yeah, a little bit. It made me think... I mean, living in the United States right now, you live in a pretty heated place. We live in a place where people with fascist ideas have very loud voices. We live in a place... And I, I don't want to start fights with anybody, but we live in a place where people are being detained because of who they are. And that their lifestyle and their choices are contradictory to what our leaders see fit. And... I don't know. Maybe that's just me turning away and not having to deal with what's going on with me, but it's hard to look at the United States right now and not feel sick. I don't know. You two aren't really as connected with the comics world right now, but Art Spielman actually, he wrote a bit about, I honest, I didn't get to read it, but it was too politically charged, I'm putting that in quote, air quotes, um, so Marvel pulled it and didn't publish it. Really? Yeah, just about like his book and how the current world worries him, and he wrote a piece that was too politically charged to be published, and that's hard for me to hear. You know, that's hard for me to deal with. Right. That someone that we can praise for shining a light on the evil in the past is being silenced for trying to shine light on what he deems evil in the present. Look, I feel more than anything that is more liable to prove him right. Yeah. Because that's what happened in the era of the Nazis, too. Anybody that spoke out was silenced forcefully. Um, and it's alarming that that's happening in our day. It is. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have thoughts to? Did this make you look at yourself? Well, it 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 definitely mean it makes you think about what it really means to be human. Because it's kind of like, I I personally believe that like humans are generally good, but the fact of the matter is we're capable of a lot of bad and we have to be aware of that you know where it's like we do a lot of good things and there are a lot of moments of like triumphs of the human spirit but there are these moments that are just testaments to when we're bad we're really really bad Mm -hmm. and it really makes you think like how do we avoid that how do we be better and choose to be good. And it's it's interesting, and I, I kind of agree with what the author says when he's in the book, when he's talking to all of the reporters and people that want to commercialize the book. Somebody says to him, I really actually want to find this and read this, so it shows, it's really interesting, it shows him drawing and thinking about this whole thing, and it's just his desk is on a mountain of bodies of different mice and it's you can kind of just see the weight where he's like I'm writing this story about the holocaust and there's so much pain that came from this and he mentions feeling depressed and then all the reporters show up and talk to him and somebody asks him tell our viewers what message you want them to get from your book and he's like a message I don't know I never thought of reducing it to a message I mean I wasn't trying to convince anybody of anything and I think that's a really interesting thing because it's kind of like, I don't know what the conclusion is. And I don't know that it is supposed to have a conclusion, but it's supposed to give us something to work with and to think about and to 
understand because it really does leave an impact and hopefully makes us better by understanding that. Yeah. Um, by no means is our tiny podcast comparable to Mouse, but like I feel some of those same emotions and even talking about this book. I'm like, this book impacted me. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't yeah. know how to not sound like a doofus. I don't know how to not sound insensitive. I don't know how to handle this horrific event in such a way that people walk away better. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we can't really do it justice. No. Like, I can talk about my feelings. I can talk about what happens in that book. But I can only hope that other people then will want to read it. I don't want anyone to be like, oh, Dallas is such a jerk. He said this about this. I don't know how to handle this material. You know? Like, yeah. I like to think that I'm a an empathetic and kind person, but I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this information. I don't know how to make people's lives better with it other than just saying read this and let it impact you right you know what i mean i would group it with um like there's a small list of things that i feel probably every person should kind of experience or see or read uh that that i feel kind of can help see like help you see things in a new way for me, one of the first ones that made it on that list was another Holocaust-themed uh, piece of media, which was the movie Schindler's List. Um, but I feel that the book Mouse definitely would be up there. That If you haven't read it, I would definitely recommend it very strongly. Yeah, me too. Feels like it's like part of being human. Yeah. Just as a cautionary tale, even... Like, this is what happens when you choose to be a bigot. This is what happens when you choose to harbor prejudice. If you don't actively work to be more inclusive, to be kinder, to be more loving, and to allow people the same human rights that you feel you deserve, this is the extreme that can occur. Yeah. Yeah, this podcast was a lot heavier than our Mr. Miracle podcast. No jokes this time. Yeah, no. None. I'm someone that jokes on everything and I've got I got nothing. Yeah. Um Do we have anything else we want to say about no. Mouse? I think that about does it. Alright, well Read it. Read it. <laughs> it's yeah. and let us know what you think. Yeah. Um again, we didn't really do this at the beginning, but I'm Dallas. I'm T. And I'm Jacob. And this has been this week's version of DTJ Comics Podcast. Uh, Rachel should be back with us next week when we read Essex County and ball our eyes out for different reasons. This podcast will never be fun again. Get ready to get... <laughs> it really is. It's like we started, it's like Batman just going and finding a murderer. <laughs> then it's like, oh, trauma last week. And now it's like Holocaust. <laughs> and next week it's like family issues. It's I like... promise we'll get back to something fun. We just, yeah. school just started, so we needed to, <laughs> to feel we, pain. We need catharsis of our own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right. Oh, no. We podcast please please come back next week uh all right bye everybody